the future of photography. Hello and welcome everyone. We're back with another episode of the future of photography. Adrian is still on vacation. So uh, he left me alone with two other people. <laughs> and I'm kind of glad that you guys are around. I, Nothing I could, will protect you. I, <laughs> are you sure? <laughs> oh, well, I'm, I'm here in Germany. You guys are in different countries. So no one can come from me. Um, so you just heard two voices that you've heard uh, in different episodes before but never together on the same episode for the first time ever <laughs> for the first time ever united united <laughs> so uh, imar welcome yes thanks chris uh hi how's going how are you <laughs> doing good and jeremiah always a pleasure so. well, not, not always but most of the time yeah. welcome to the future of photography welcome to the future uh, of photography we are nice, delighted yes. to have everyone here and uh, yeah I'm, I'm i'm delighted to finally have the two of you in the same space and on the same episode it's, it's gonna be yeah, awesome pretty exciting pretty exciting yeah um, and this is uh this is your 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 shout this episode imar that's right that's <laughs> right so um i think we decided on um the future of printing photography or print yeah the printed or presentation yeah, yeah. in exactly. general presentation yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, before mm -hmm. we dive into this topic which i'm really excited about um we have a listener mail yay we have feedback yeah. from listeners um <laughs> and uh I, i wanted to briefly read that to the two of you um that's a mail from richard wingfield and he writes Thanks so much for adding some new voices to the show. Not that you needed it, but let's say a really good show got better. Especially love the, uh, the addition of Imar. As I'm just a tech geek photo enthusiast, not a pro, I really appreciate her voice as an addition that speaks to me personally. Love that she affirmed one of my main perspectives on photography, that it has become a form of meditation for me, a way to help me be more present in my life. Anyway, keep up the great work. Love the show. And as an aside, <laughs> this is, <laughs> he, he said, he wrote, he still can't hear Jeremiah's voice and not have, and not think that he's actually Don Melton. Now, Don, I don't Don know Melton, who Don Melton is. Don Melton I, is a podcaster. He used to work for Apple. He was behind uh, a lot of things there. And I've checked, I've checked and he sounds similar to you. <laughs> well, that's good. I'm sure he has asthma lefluous a voice. Okay, teach me that word. What <laughs> mellifluous. Mellifluous. There's, yeah. there's yeah. nothing like an Irish woman to define a word. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably kind of true, I suppose. I it don't is. Know. It is. You do it more poetically than uh, a Californian. <laughs> Um, mellifluous. I think it's like melodic, isn't it? And uh, yes, it has ah, a sing song it. quality. Yes, it's yeah. a little bit of yeah. a. Poetic sing-song of a, of a yeah. voice. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And, and to finish that off, Richard uh, Wingfield sent an, a follow-up because he listened to the episode that Imar and I did about uh, iPhone apps and smartphone apps. Um, he writes, just listen to the app, sh app show. Wanted to say, I'm all for app workflow shows like this. Love hearing what other people are doing even if it's not my chosen workflow. Only downside of these shows for geeks like me is they end up costing me money as I want to buy and test out all the apps. <laughs> uh, okay, so, and and he's also, uh, 
he's also uh, in love with his iPad Pro. So he's experimenting a lot with all iPad workflows and apps for photography. I think there's a, there's a bit of a movement lately on yeah. that front. Yeah, well, thanks so much to Richard for that feedback. It's great. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, I don't know whether I should change my voice or go with it. <laughs> I, I think, keep it, keep it. I think you're in good okay. company with Don okay. Melton. I think you okay. are. Yeah. Uh, so there's uh, one more thing that I have introduced or that, that I've proposed to everyone to introduce in the show. It's a kind of a thing for the beginning of the show. And uh, mm -hmm. that is your photographic highlight. And what I mean with that is whatever you have done lately in terms of photography that has, I don't know, that has been fun, cool, interesting, scary, something photographic. I'll let you well, go I, first, Jeremiah. <laughs> I, I've done so many things Age scary. Beauty. <laughs> uh, I, I've done a lot of things this week that seem pretty scary to me. And, and one is uh, I, I'm working on a, um, a, a very um, classical image of a tulip against white, and I'm building it from Unreal. Uh, Unreal Engine 4, and then I will port it to Photoshop and do some more uh, coloring and lighting, etc., to make it photo real. Um, the scary thing is, uh, having imported some polygons and whatnot, it, it, it took so long and it's so complicated, just a single flower, that I feel I've regressed somewhat in my study of um, AI artificial intelligence, and um, I'm, I'm kind of applying the lack of both real and artificial intelligence to myself and being able to understand <laughs> how, to, how to make this work. But, uh, you know, there's always next week. So uh, that's the frightening photographic truth for me, but it's extremely exciting. And I, this is, I mean, in general, this is an interesting topic because that's something that you've done uh, quite a bit is this in-engine, in in-game kind of photography that um, yeah. we can see on your website. So that might be an entire entire episode just Absolutely. by itself. Absolutely. It's fascinating. And, and uh, I'd love to be educated on that. Virtual photography. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's the experience of doing it in certain environments emotionally feels no different than walking in the woods or walking in the city and doing street work with a camera. If you spend several hours doing it, you really sublimate to that experience. And once you're able to kind of frame and image and forget about output and, and you know, getting getting the files out, but the experience of capture is very similar to how I feel when I walk around with my camera. And that's, that's uh, I think that's a significant experience as artificial and VR become uh, more, uh, you know, we can call it more mainstream, but... but uh, <laughs> more real. <laughs> and more real. <laughs> uh, I, I think that, that that experience of blurring the lines uh, becomes something that we've not yet totally experienced in our life um in terms of creation so i'm all you know what into my um 
my particular highlight, as I was uh, mentioning to you before we began, was probably researching the topic because um, it's not a thing I've spent an awful lot of time thinking about, to be honest. So I, I kind of when I started to delve into it, I realised that you probably couldn't look at, at the future of image presentation in terms of where is it going with the print without falling into all this um, VR type stuff and 3D images and um, which is kind of where you're at, Jeremiah. So is is it, would your work maybe translate well when we go down that road of VR headset experience of an image? You know, it's not because my final output is very old fashioned. You know, my final output is mm -hmm. paper, uh, mm -hmm. ink, uh, and the photograph as object, though mm -hmm. I I remain fascinated by just the new ways that, it, you know, those of us who take images and want to share them um, mm. are, are were able to disseminate them. The, the simplest uh, experience uh, that I've had over the last year is uh, I bought my mother an Aura frame. Are you familiar with those? Uh, they're branded under different... Um, is that a, is that a is that an LED frame, um, a picture uh, frame, a digital picture yes, frame? Yes, it's a digital oh, picture yeah, frame. Yeah. It's extraordinarily high quality. Mm -hmm. um, and I gave one to my mother, who lives in Montreal, and all of our kind of family photos, um, you know, are are kind of. Uh, encapsulated in the Apple photo stream, family photo stream that we've created. Oh, so you get okay. to switch the photos on her. You get to show her stuff. Yeah, and well, you can I, add I, new things. And yes, everything that oh, we fab. add to the photo stream automatically shows up in her Love living that. room. Um, so there's no longer send me pictures of the kids or, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, you know, yeah. uh, make them copies. She just sits in front of it and waits for them to zip by. <laughs> oh, the, that's excellent, isn't it? Yeah, it's fantastic. And, yeah. and uh, you know, she's 92 and is very comfortable with, you know, her iPad and computer and uh, her, her now her frame. If you go to the frame and wave your hand, it just changes the image to the next one. Oh, so wow. it's also oh, interactive it's in that way. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. But that's just a, a, a perfect example of a new way of sharing. It doesn't require signing into anything or, you know, uh, becoming a, a, you know, a member of something. It's just there. Um, and mm. you can assign it any way you want. So that, that that's just a simple way, you know. Oh, I that's think an that, excellent idea. I think that those kinds of presentation, the electronic frames, are going to become cheaper, uh, better mm -hmm. quality, and uh, larger. I mean, let's 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 be honest. Um, if I I think they have to become paper-like, and then they are. Yeah, they're there. That's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In fact, I one think of paper the, is still the gold standard. I I, I so agree. As it's my first mm -hmm. love of outputting photographs, <laughs> I, I I do love holding a photograph. I think there's nothing like it, and uh, I think I know Adrian and I talked long ago um, about 
what an an old photograph means to us. Like any photograph that's a hundred mm. years old in our hands has a magical quality. True. Um, true. It, yeah. it it just doesn't matter if it's a blurry image of a tree. It really doesn't matter. What mm. is spectacular is that it's an object that is a you know whether it was taken a hundred years ago or is in fact. Uh, an old daguerreotype, it has a quality of magic that transcends the image. Um, always fascinating. So Yeah, and actually, uh, sorry, Chris, as I was uh, doing my bit of research on this, I kind of I came to the conclusion that um, in terms of archiving, uh, printing is probably, you know, um, printing on paper or whatever it might be. I, I know the range of substrates now is just, growing all the time but printing on on a good quality paper is probably the best archive the, the only it's real at, way it's at least it? the one that can be read mm. easiest in the future <laughs> I was, yeah, absolutely yes. <laughs> yeah I, because I, I, it even I, seems which i didn't realize and i have such a massive collection of random photos that i just tend to dump and i don't sort and uh, um I was just kind of panicking as I read that in 20, 30 years time, you know, the formats of these things are will be obsolete. And I was like, what, what, I, what, you know? I I know uh, an archivist and uh, uh, they told me that the last 100 years will, will most likely be the worst documented 100 years in human history. Absolutely oh right. The, more pictures have been taken and less pictures will be preserved than ever mm -hmm. before. Um, it's funny. I, I did uh, a lot of research on archiving. You know, we're sort of segueing, but it is also about the future mm -hmm. of our images generally. Mm. Um, when I did my own research about how to preserve some of my negatives in that I am using digital uh, imagery, um, not exclusively, but a lot, and I'd like to keep them um, you know, keep them going, that to actually get your images. And again, I think I've talked about this before, but I had, I had spoken to the, um, these companies that archive government and hospital data, uh, and said, what would it take to archive a terabyte of imagery <laughs> that you constantly renew oh so 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 it's always it's always on the latest medium and it uh, doesn't yeah. grow old and it yeah. gets converted to the latest formats and things yeah because you could imagine yeah. if not we would all have to have shrink wrapped ibm pcs with large floppy disks <laughs> yep. and the operating system to go with it and our files and they decay as well so that doesn't really work and that company uh, offers that service Oh, yeah, they offer it. And I said, well, how much would a terabyte be? And they said, oh, it would be $25,000 to archive it. And I went, oh, that's that's a lot. That's, that's a lot. Oh, and then, then they said, a month. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> so needless to say, I didn't do it. But no, um, and then I, I got into some pretty fanciful things like speaking to some archiving scientists and whatnot. And they said, oh yeah, the best way to do it is just to etch zeros and ones on a titanium plate. <laughs> yes. The, I mean, I mean, the, our government still, uh, still have extensive collections of microfilm 
uh, with a lot yeah. of stuff on it, and mm. it's still being produced because that tends mm -hmm. to have a very good archival quality, and it's yeah. easy to read. You don't need a special machine mm. other than a magnifying glass or, or yeah. a microscope. Mm. I think ah. you're right, Imar, that, that the print is currently the best way to archive <laughs> your images, and, and especially if you keep them you know in low uv and, and now with the you know with the billions of uh, billions and hundreds of billions of photos that we're taking that it becomes more of a task of making the right selection of which ones to print yeah, otherwise you drown in paper oh uh, yes <laughs> yeah well that's <laughs> that's isn't it always <laughs> I suppose in the way that um, film constrains you with um, having to be more sort of discerning about your shots, um, we'll just have to try and become more discerning. Maybe uh, hmm. <laughs> it's just—is it just that we we're so um, you know we don't treat the tool with enough uh, not respect, but what's the word? I don't Appreciation. Know what I'm trying to say appreciation. Really yeah, or you know that we we just sort of. The va that value thing comes back into it again. Like you'd have like twenty shots of the same thing, but minutely different from each other, and you know you can select afterwards. But it makes you very maybe lazy about you know uh, clearly filing things and you know putting them properly in folders. And I'm, I'm very lazy about things like that. But have you ever, you guys? I'm putting this question out to both of you. Um, have you ever gone back into your photographic archive contact sheets, let's say, and look through your contact sheets and your selections thereof and said, wow, here's a whole pile of images that, or even a single image that I never really appreciated um, then. Of course. But now, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and so our aesthetic <clears throat> changes and therefore our appreciation even of our own work it happens all changes. the time mm. that's right so, i mean i i, I have i have a very deliberate workflow that i use when i when i import pictures and i go through them and sort them and tag them and so on uh, because i have to otherwise i would drown in them and in that in that process i will al always go back to some older photos that mm. i might have marked for deletion but i won't usually delete stuff right away I'll go back mm. weeks, months, maybe years later, <clears throat> and uh, I very often, very often, a, a, a picture will jump at me and go, "Hey, look here, I am!" <laughs> and I'm like, "Oops, I didn't notice you back then." Mm. So yeah, I've done a. Time. I did a whole series of images where I was trying to duplicate exactly how I see without glasses. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Actually, it was up on my website for a long time, and I actually called the folio by my prescription, which is significant. <laughs> so, uh, I, in other words, images that look like the way I see naturally without corrective mm -hmm. lenses. And, I, you know, for several years, maybe five years, I would always go out there, and at some point I figured out exactly the kind of defocus to use. I ended up with like I have thousands of pictures that are completely out of focus, but <laughs> so editing those become a meditation also, um, mm -hmm. sort of a self-aware kind of thing about seeing generally what is reality because without my lenses, that is my reality. And mm -hmm. 
But going back, as I do every few years, I'll just go back through those archives. And I use Lightroom, so I'm able to kind of cross-reference a lot of these blurs. And I find something that I never noticed before. And often mm -hmm. they are like, they become my favorite image in that folio. So mm -hmm. I just think we change and our appreciation of what we see and how we interpret it changes as well. And so archiving uh, our, our photographs is extraordinarily important. And being able to revisit it is also important too. So mm. anyway, can I just throw back something at you about paper, renewable paper? Sure. Because I, I think that, you know, there are a lot of scientists that are working on beautiful renewable paper, and that's very exciting. What do you Imagine mean? What, what is renewable mm. paper? Where you can, it. you can delete, in a way, it's like the Kindle. It's a screen. It's a screen, it's a but e it feel, it's e-paper, that's right. Okay, so okay. it looks and feels hey. like paper. But when you have paper capable of, you know, a very large gamma, you know, huge uh, white to black configuration, very zone system-y, you know, with all of the nuances. I'm just talking about black and white for now. Mm. Uh, and are able to literally send not a projected image to a screen, but a reflected image. That's a very different mood and feel. To one's it has a very images. different quality, yeah. Yeah, mm. and that is very exciting. I think will be very, very exciting. How um, is that launched already, Jeremiah, or is it there, just still no, in no. there? No, there are. It's generally for type print. Uh, I, mm -hmm. I've never seen it for images of you, Chris. Yeah, yeah. No, but I mean, every every ebook reader nowadays has, um, or most of them have e-paper, especially the the Kindle. Because there is something about that surface, yeah, isn't there? It's particularly lovely. Right? It is not yeah. a light box. It is lit from yeah. whatever is is, is uh, lighting it. But those are typically a, just a few a few levels of gray. So yes. there's mm -hmm. like three, four, or eight levels of gray. I think they are not far beyond that. But in order to have this renewable paper that would that would uh, rival the the quality of a of a silver print, I think you. Uh, I think that's not there just yet. No, but but I I suspect that it's coming. I would I would love to see that, even though yeah. even though there is something to be said about the paper that is etched onto that uh, that photo that's etched onto that paper for eternity. Oh, uh, I I couldn't agree more. Eternity being what it is. Well, <laughs> two, three hundred years. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, there, so, there's no such yeah. thing as complete permanence, is there? On any level. In, any, in anything in life. <laughs> no. In the grand scheme, <laughs> no. scheme of things, no. You know? Definitely yeah. not, yes. Yeah. Uh, just ask the Egyptians maybe. and the Romans. <laughs> okay, so, so we, are, we are in the middle of our presentation discussion already. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, Let's see. We we have an entire list of things that we've. Yeah. Uh, who who have you? Who of, of the two of you suggested that one? Uh, uh, that was I'll, me. Yeah. So which? <laughs> how did you get to the list? Because we, I mean, there's electronic frames on there, LEDs, renewable. Oh, sorry, paper, no, that's on. Jeremiah's list. I just chose okay. the, I, would, I chose. I was the just riffing <laughs> off Imar's imagination. <laughs> awesome. I just threw down any any way of of presenting images. Um, 
that I thought would be or that I thought would be interesting either on the horizon or in my imagination. Like, have have you guys seen the 3M glass wherein you flick a switch and it becomes opaque and you turn it on and it's completely clear? I have not seen it in person, but I've seen it on in a video somewhere where I think yeah. someone someone made a, made a glass yeah. conference room in the middle of a big building and then you just, yeah. you need privacy, I mean, you, you go click and it goes... It goes opaque, yeah. I mean, I see wow. it's it's used here. I've seen it used in buildings here. Um, uh, people do use it, but if you can imagine a wall that's in a photograph, um, oh, and then fab, you know at it? night, and then you turn, uh, you flick a switch, and there's your huge picture window. <laughs> I think that would be spectacular way of that's experiencing amazing. imagery. I would be I would be scared. <laughs> uh, for 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 one simple reason, it's technology. It can fail, so um, I would I would not expect to be behind that screen and have privacy. Yeah, I suppose it would I take would. a bit of get, getting used to. I suppose you'd have to kind of experience it a few times to, you know, trust it or whatever. It's it's a bit like it's a bit like this art project where someone put a put a, a bathroom in in a in a glass box in a mirror box. Have you seen that? Mm-hmm. And they they no. put it on a public square, so it's a it's a yeah. You open it, there, there's a toilet, there's, <laughs> and it's it's one of these see through mirror things. But it's a one way uh, mirror, a one way mirror. But you can see through from the inside. So you, when you're in there and you don't have any lights on, it is pretty much a, a transparent glass box. You see the people around you, but they can't see you. <laughs> oh, so but at no, night, turn on the lights, and you're really <laughs> again. I, I don't think it's very practical, but yeah, just. Um, Lots of things going on in my imagination there. <laughs> <laughs> not too practical, not too practical. Uh, you know, another, another thing that, that is developing, um, for example, at the Apple stores here, I don't know if they're, they have the same um, where you guys are, but they've put in these new screens with like tiny LEDs that are massive. I mean, they're massive, massive, almost like stadium. And they're extremely sharp um, to look at, just even standing right in front of them. But I, I think that as we move forward in time, you're going to see architectural skins of imagery that could be pretty impressive. Are these the same LED walls that uh, Jeremiah Unite uh, discussed earlier and with with the other topic yeah outside of the show yeah so very good very high resolution led based screens that is something that is definitely on the horizon i've read about this i've seen some things also in terms of in terms of yeah vr and so on where you might want very high resolution screens that that are better than whatever you can get from an lcd that is backlit yeah, so, it's, and if you integrate that with large buildings, uh, it could, that, you could make the building transparent, or you can that, make the building well, <laughs> completely kind open. of transparent. <laughs> you just need a camera on the other side. It's true. It just sounds a bit like projection mapping or something. It's what to me. It, it, yeah, so, so similar, much. similar to it's that. Similar, it's similar version. Could, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. All right. I love projection mapping. Adrian and I did an episode on that. I think it was in the, some, somewhere in the 20s, I think 25, mm. uh, on this show where we looked into that technology. And 
Um, projection mapping, just just uh, a good example was um, the Apollo 11, uh, Apollo 11, 50 years of, of Apollo 11, where they had, uh, on the Washington Mall, they had a big projection going on the, um, what's it called, the big monument there? Where they pretty much the Washington that, the Washington Monument, where they where they use that as a screen to project stuff on, which is a very unusual oh, aspect ratio yeah. for a screen, but yeah, they managed yeah. to make this a very immersive experience. I mean, of, of course, logically, the rocket is there on that monument, and um, I've just just yesterday I saw a video by Adam Savage who was there visiting them and talking to some of the people behind that, mm -hmm. and um, I'll. I'll dig that up and, and put it in the, in the uh, show A number notes. of years ago here in this small town, um, a, a guy, a local guy with a really big vision actually um, did a projection mapping project onto one of the local bridges, which would be quite an old bridge. There's three arches in it and he projection mapped the bridge to the soundtrack of Pink Floyd's Wall and hmm. um, the, the, hmm. the entire album. And it was... It was really spectacular, I have to say. Um, and in time to the music, it was all choreographed. Um, you know, obviously, the bridge is a wall in itself. So there was all sorts of movement and it was just incredible. It was really, really good. Just as an aside. Here, here another aside, there is a, um, there's a building designed by Frank Gehry. It's the Disney Hall. It's very famous. It's all that titanium movable wrap mm -hmm. that you may have seen um this futuristic artist called Rafik Anadol I, he works a lot in architecture but he was commissioned by the uh, LA Symphony to do a, a massive projection map on the building itself using all of the images and recordings um about the building and the L.A. Symphony itself. It was amazing. Mm -hmm. it, he made the building disappear. He wow. transformed it into undulating processes. Uh, the building just came alive, and mm -hmm. you were able to view it in a parking lot across the street to m symphonic music, which they played, say, from sunset to 11 o'clock. It was very impressive of uh, the appreciation of, in a way, abstract imagery on architecture. It was something mm -hmm. that I believe I've, I've never really seen or experienced. That was mm -hmm. th that was a different way of project, you know, of presenting uh, photography. Very very Absolutely. tech heavy though. Mm. Yeah, it takes a lot of. I mean, just the projectors for those things now. Oh my god! Yeah, it's a massive mm. computerized, it's a massive, system. A massive thing. Yeah. I, th I think, I think for that thing on the Washington Mall, they had, they had like dozens of eight K yeah. projectors and a and a and servers to handle the whole thing. I mean, huge infrastructure. Yeah. But some of that is just amazing. Yeah. Maybe soon it'll be an app. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, because um, when I was um. At college, we actually did some projection mapping and it completely broke my heart. So I'm totally in awe of anybody who can, like, I saw how much work actually it takes to. As with many, many things, uh, when, when you, when you're early to the game, then it will, it will be very difficult because the tools aren't there. But as, as, as yeah. things progress, you will probably yeah. get better tools. So that app idea is 
probably not not wrong. I think <laughs> sooner or later you'll have an app and you'll just you'll yeah. just walk around with your camera around something and uh, photogrammetrically 3D map it and then yeah. make a projection wow. out of onto that. That's yeah, I, I can totally imagine that happening. Yeah, uh, you know, it's funny in in um, Unreal Engine, a lot of textures are you know they're they're taken from the real world with yeah. photogrammetry techniques and then wrapped around um, skins uh, that are called meshes um, and then lit, and you can literally take any building and apply any material to it. And I think we'll be able to certainly apply that visually um, in the real world as well. Very I soon. mean, let's, let's just, let's just uh, look a bit in the future with uh, all the things AR that are coming our mm -hmm. way. I think that is going to be like the real interesting thing because I've, okay. So I've just, just a month ago, I got an Oculus quest, which is a VR headset. It's the first cable-free headset. It's all self-contained. And it, as as VR does, it locks you out of the world. So you're in that world. Mm. But it's enormously immersive because it's so... It, do, it doesn't have a cable that reminds you, uh, that tucks at your back and reminds you that you're still connected to the to a PC somewhere. So, and that is and that is out there now for under 500 bucks. So we are looking at just the beginning of a development and there's so much that's being invested in ar right now that i can easily envision in five years we'll have a thing on our faces a little not too big kind of glasses that that will then allow this these kind of projection mapping things to happen in real time in real life yeah oh, augmented wow. reality i th i think is kind of uh, phenomenal for sculptures, um, where you can present something in a, you know, in a town square that's like eighty yeah, stories yeah. high. It'd be absolutely good public art. Yeah, public art, be a really but only good way of, but, um, but only <laughs> visible to those who can afford uh, an AR headset. That's yeah. it. <laughs> that's it. I yeah, I listened just... to your uh, your uh, podcast, the Tales from the Top Floor, uh, where you. We've talked a lot about the um, the Oculus. My, you know, can I ask you a question about it? Of course, go ahead. When you're wearing it, do you can you still feel the scan lines, or is it razor sharp? Yes, no, it's not razor sharp. <clears throat> no, See, that that's my problem. But but compared to anything else I've seen, and I have not been big in, in VR, so I've only every few months I've uh, looked at something somewhere. Uh, never owned one of these things, but in comparison, it's sharper. But the resolution is still it still needs to be much much more. We're talking about a mobile processor. We're talking about a, a, a pretty much a smartphone inside that thing. So mm. it cannot do the resolution that you would need, and then the cost would go up because of the resolution of the screens and so on. So you will still see a little bit of what's called the the screen door effect. Which yeah. is, you can pretty much notice individual pixels, but mm -hmm. in, in still some of the content that's on that is doesn't really it it, it doesn't have a problem with that, and mm -hmm. you 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 mm -hmm. tend to quickly forget it in most contexts. I, <clears throat> I imagine the sensation of being in it 
sort of oh, it's very distracts different. you from it's you very know, different because from the fact that it maybe it isn't pin sharp. You just wow. Well, <laughs> it's know? initially it has this wow effect, but over time, it's more like you know. It, I see it in the memories I have of things because I, mm-hmm. I now when I when I am in something, I watch either it's a three sixty video or in some experience or a game or something. Um, I don't have a memory of that as looking at a flat surface, but I have a memory as having been in a location. Mm. And that is, yeah, it's only going to become more immersive in the future. I think for travel, it's pretty exciting to get a sense of what it is. From a storytelling point of view, people are still here uh, in Hollywood trying to figure out how one creates a guided story within a VR Very environment. Very difficult. Very <laughs> hard. Very hard. And I, th- I think we've had these moments over the entire course of uh, film movie uh, history where a new technology was introduced. I mean, the first cameras yeah. were just stationary. And then yeah. at one point, someone had the idea to put it on some... <laughs> on rollers and move it and then (laughs) you all of a sudden you had a moving camera but you had to relearn or develop new ways to tell the stories then well Mm -hmm. generally it was the porn industry that really adapted adopted all this new technology as soon as they could with everything with everything yes they are Mm -hmm. games games and porn are usually the two things (laughs) the cutting edge of our society that drive development yes (laughs) future of mankind is safe (laughs) is it (laughs) (laughs) no that's my point (laughs) what about um eyeglasses that project images right onto the surface of your eyes you mean on the onto the retina yeah that's ar isn't it but no because in ar well is it i mean i mean what you're looking at a screen isn't it are you are you? <laughs> I mean, when, what, you, you're, okay, you are at this moment, at this very moment, you're looking at a screen, but isn't the screen projecting an image in your eye? Um, you know, I don't, I don't think it's as simple as that. I mean, there, there are certainly light coming into my eye and that goes into my brain and then my brain is telling me that there's an object <coughs> and that I shouldn't run into it. But... Um, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess if you have an image, though, an image, not a translucent image to see through, but is it possible to create an image that is so absolutely perfectly, um, v- you know, visual that you don't see anything but that image? Again, I, look side I see I that know. as this, the future of AR technology. Yeah, maybe you because they are right. they are Isn't working <laughs> they are working on on not just uh, creating images in thin air or hovering in the middle of of your room, but mm. they're also uh, creating the technology to block out the other the rest behind it. So you will have this um, this image of something that feels like it's real. And what about something simple like fabrics? Fabrics for 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 photo fashion or presentation. No, fabrics for no for for fashion and you know decor decorative to have imagery which we could print images on fabric now and as that becomes more and more sophisticated I think imagery will be used um, instead of say weaving a design or just you know I, I don't even want to say instead of because people are starting to do that 
it's lot, already the, it's already yeah. there. A friend of yeah. mine, a friend of mine is uh, is, is uh, what what kind of he 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 does photography and he has a lot of his photos on various fabrics. Mm. Often, often in a very, um, in a very processed form, so you wouldn't uh -huh. even recognize them to be photographs. And those, and those, and those um, fabrics are then used in, yeah, clothes, in bed sheets, in all sorts of things. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. And the technology is there. Uh, yeah. yeah. Printing technology. Oh, that's very cool. Is there? Talk to any t-shirt manufacturer they, uh, <laughs> yeah. they, they, so, they, they, they can they can now print t-shirts pretty much um all around yeah really what? i did not know that yeah what is your both of you is a question for you is um and this has to do with with the future of presentations but just taking a step back how large an image do you want to create or present as opposed to what you uh, use practically to create? Like how big is big? My, I have to say <laughs> the biggest image I ever printed was years ago and it was for my degree show and it was printed. Um, it was like a two person job and um, we did it. Um, a photographer worked with me. And we did it in her uh, very makeshift dark room, and it was four foot wide by five foot tall. So we used roll paper that was four foot wide. Wow! And uh, it's really interesting process, but a totally a two person job, and very much we had to be in sync with each other to do it properly. Um, that that was big to me, sort of life sized, I suppose. <laughs> the The biggest photo that I've seen uh, was the size of a church. Mm. Wow. And it was in Vienna, uh, the big church in the center of Vienna, the Stephansdom, mm. has mm -hmm. uh, two spires. And it uh, must, must be 10 years ago. And uh, we went there, and from far, everything looked normal. But then coming closer, I began to realize that one of those two towers looked weird and uh <laughs> it was under construction so they had a photo of the of that uh, building on oh, yes. on the outside of the scaffolding so it would look kind of normal and oh, you wouldn't excellent. see the scaffolding but it was yeah, really yeah. it was really an interesting experience because initially i did not notice and then coming closer it of course it fell apart i mean that That print resolution was maybe, I don't know, one DPI or something that didn't look anything like a photo from close-up. But uh, mm -hmm. that must have been an interesting process to make this because they... Uh, to put it all together. Like, put it all together. It's a huge pieces? puzzle. I think they, yeah. they, have, they have special ways to connect those different pieces uh, right there. So it would have been, would have probably been ultrasonic glued to each other wow. uh, on on the scaffolding uh, what, a, what a fun job what a fun job if you're one of these <laughs> big banner printers I, I, I always wonder what and how size changes our relationship um, with the experience of an image 
And I say that because it relates directly to the you know future of image presentations and and how easy or difficult it is to to show, demonstrate, whether it's permanent or just mm-hmm. um, temporary, of how our work changes when seen large, small, or even very small. Mm-hmm. So for me, um, one of the interesting experiences I had was with the the Imago one by one, which is a camera that looks a bit like a steampunk contraption. It's a it's a it's a little self-contained studio and camera. So it's a it's a little room that you walk into and then mm-hmm. inside the room you have uh you close the door behind you and then that's your studio. That's a self-portrait kind of system. You see mm-hmm. yourself by uh there's two mirrors in front of you angled 90 degrees. So uh, you see yourself um uh, not in a in a mirrored image, but uh, the right side around. <clears throat> then you have a, a button to trip the camera, and the camera itself takes a black and white photo of you, and that photo is onto black and white positive paper, uh-huh. and it takes a life size photo of you. Wow! So in the end, you end up with a life size photo of yourself in black and white. Which I've seen an exhibition <laughs> of that, which was a, just an amazing experience. Yeah, very I like, amazing. I like that. That's really cool. Imago one by one. Um, again, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Mm. It's. Uh, it. I think it started as an art project and then uh, became a kind of a traveling uh, novelty thing. Excellent. And I'm going to uh, copy the link to that uh, okay you, you guys continue I will find uh, an image <laughs> yeah, to, yeah, one to thing that uh, popped up for me that I wondered about was you know um, it, every kind of uh, viewing photography on screens now um, it just it's so it's kind of subjective in that like you might have the most amazing piece of kit in the world and it looks amazing on your screen but that doesn't say that <laughs> You know, who, you know, from very from person to person, you know, even the colors, um, the old screens are calibrated differently. And unless you're really particular about, I suppose, setting profiles and or, you know, how do you, you can't control it. Yeah, so I suppose printing something on paper um, that you'll hold in your hands is a way to fix that, you know. Well, and even th- even even then, exactly, Jeremiah. Go on, go on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even then, the experience of looking at an image uh, in your uh, in your studio, say, uh, or your room as uh, yeah, the sun is light. setting, is very <laughs> yeah, different yeah. than w- looking at uh, when you turn your lights on at night or in bright sunlight. Uh, okay, yeah. you're going to see different. But things. I suppose, as a photographer, you do get the final say on you know. Okay, this is where. This is where it is. This is where it's at. This is the one that I've chosen. Let, you me, know? let me ask you to a question um, that I receive every now and then. A listener will send an email uh, with a question. If my photo will look different on every screen out there, why should I be careful with the colors when editing? Well, that's a great question. That's a really great question. And... <laughs> 
I, I, I say this, I'm going to give you a sidebar from a filmmaking point of view. Um, when I, you know, when you do a movie, the, the director generally will have control over the format, whether it's two, three, five, or, you know, one, three, three, whatever it is. Um, when we, when I started to do television, it was in this kind of transition period where there were still old boxy TVs as well as 16 by nine. And the studios, networks, they would always go, oh, no, you can compose for 16 by 9, but you have to protect 133. Mm. Well, this was a constant nightmare for us because I don't compose center punch unless I'm composing center punch. Mm -hmm. But I like, you know, I like extreme compositions uh, when I work. And uh, so this was an ongoing battle. And at some point, I would just say, Anybody who still has a boxy 133 old television, they don't, they're not really looking for any real aesthetic kind of experience of what the intention of the filmmakers were. <laughs> so I don't care about them. So if somebody has a <laughs> shitty screen they don't care about and they look at it, and I don't really care. But if somebody has taken the time to get a good screen and to... Um, take the time to study an image and try to get it as close to the intention of the artist, photographer, whatever, mm -hmm. then I will do everything I can to try and create within the boundaries of how screens vary. And they do, but they don't vary to the point where I think it will uh, completely destroy your intention. How's that for a long-winded answer? I like that. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, short answer: I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I do yeah. care in in as uh, pretty much as you said. If someone really wants the real thing, then yeah. they will. They I should at at least give it to them in a form that they can then experience what I want them to mm. experience. That's what I'm saying. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And if you don't care, it doesn't matter. As long as you're happy good. yourself with, I suppose what. Um, Unless you're going to go around to, you know, test it on, on every person you meet. <laughs> can I see Can I see your phone for a minute? Can I see what my picture yeah. looks like? Well, I, I used to, and... when, I, when, I got, when I got into audio production, I used to have pretty shitty speakers. And so I had to take that result of my mixing, mastering and take it to the car and to the living room and to the kitchen sure. and try all the mm. different devices. At one point, I got real decent speakers and then i didn't have to do this as much anymore mm. but yeah I, i had to go around and try it everywhere um so yeah that might be one way to do it oh i i, mm. I feel i feel your pain there i mean you know, when we mix film or television especially now i mean you know it sounds great boom it has to work on a smartphone right yeah it has to work on a smartphone mm. on, a, on an ipad on a computer screen yeah Uh, and and if it does, yes, you know, you're going to lose a tremendous amount of dynamic range, but that doesn't rob the experience of the image or the scenario you're presenting if you do it with the same kind of attention to detail. Because every experience in terms of the technology offers something else. In other words, if if you can't experience what it is you want to on your smartphone and that's the only way you're going to watch it 
then um, I I owe it to you to try and give you the best um, experience you can. Now I'm not you know I, I'm not for watching Lawrence of Arabia on your smartphone in broad daylight, <laughs> but <laughs> oh, but there's certainly people out there who do. Yes, yeah, and those are the people that are like, well, I'm not gonna I'm gonna take it up to them, but not into them. Because I can't save them. <laughs> you can't save them. I like that. I, I will. I'll have to. I'll have to steal that from you. Uh, I, ha I have pasted into our back channel. I've uh, pasted the photo, one photo of the Imago, one by one. Aren't those yeah. impressive? Yeah, look at that. Real, yeah. real size, full, Ooh. full size people on the wall. Yeah. It's oh, they're super, amazing, aren't they? Super great. Oh, there's yeah, some something really fantastic. different if you st if you stand in front of a portrait, and that mm -hmm. the exhibition that we uh, saw was like a hundred of those. I love it. Oh wow! Yeah, it's fabulous. That's a fabulous. Yeah, show. So, and, by the way, and, and so, they're one of a kind. They're photo, uh, they're positive yeah. uh, pictures, and yeah. there were there were a lot of photos of like of of uh, celebrities, well known people. Um, so you're standing in front of that photo, you know that person has been there. This is the only photo of them. Yeah, and it's totally original. It, it is really mm -hmm. that it it has it has some some something almost spiritual about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm sure all all of the listeners uh, that are listening can greatly appreciate us waxing poetic about something they can't see. They but can't see. Trust us, it's, it's really nice. Double exposure one. It's <laughs> the one in the middle is fabulous. It's they can because it's mm -hmm. in the show notes. It's ah, linked in the way show ahead. notes. You're so That's ahead. what they're there for. But again, mm -hmm. it makes the point of of a large image if these were just kind of four by fives you know what i mean that would um, be totally different yeah completely different and and not to denigrate small imagery because small i suppose you know, it my, just depends gorgeous. what you're trying to do doesn't it yeah yeah, yeah. i always yeah, yeah i always wonder like how and i've not figured this out yet in my in my own work of what I always feel that if something is bigger, it, it gives a artificial importance to it. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And and maybe that artificial importance is is great. And I'm, that, I'm not denigrating it. I'm just saying that if you take a picture of, you know, uh, an insect and you blow that up to five feet by six feet, it's certainly a little different than looking at on a screen, mm. you know, tiny... But is it artificial mm. importance or is it just that it gets more immersive because it covers more of your field oh, of view? I don't know. Is that production seduction? Mm. <laughs> An interesting thing that I've noticed a few years ago, um, you know how the, the video nerds have this discussion between video, horizontal and vertical video? Yeah. Which, mm -hmm. uh, again, if you have a smartphone, that's, that's what you hold it in the vertical position. So vertical yeah. video is kind of a logical fit for a smartphone. Yeah. And, uh, but, but we, usually we, we, um, when we hear vertical video, we think of just someone shooting something on their smartphone and it being kind mm -hmm. of, uh, uh, home video kind of thing, uh, not high really quality production. Your, but your field of vision is so reduced, isn't it? Well, yeah, That's, yes, but yeah. but I had this. I saw this video. It almost must have been two years ago, maybe. Um, mm. Of a of a of a little short film, ten minute thing that was really high production value, and mm. the whole thing was composed and shot in vertical. So. Mm. 
It was made for that form factor, but it was a mm. it was a, a top notch production, which mm. it, again I watched this on a smartphone where it's supposed to be watched, and mm -hmm. it was super immersive because it fit What? that frame and that aspect yeah. ratio yeah. so well. I can mm. I can understand that. Um, mm. You know that Apple's new screen has a um, can rotate a, yes <laughs> a, rot a rotating thing, so you can actually work on your imagery productions etc and that's not in, a new thing that's not really it has no. been around for a while and then it's gone gone away and now it's back again yeah yeah uh, mm -hmm. I, i think it takes a, a while to adapt um to different kind of formatting aesthetics it, it just it, i think the the vertical aesthetic is something that has been if you're a millennial that is your normal aesthetic now i i would think mm -hmm. i just judging from stories and, and insta and all of the rest for us for us it's for us a it's zeitgeist kind of thing yeah mm -hmm. i mean i i prefer uh you know wide um you know i like anamorphic that's two three five very wide mm -hmm. uh, not pano but 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 just uh, that's just the way i've trained myself to see the world mm -hmm. um but i do like square format too mm -hmm. Yes. So, I don't oh, know. yes. Square yeah, format. Like yeah, square. but my 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 foray into um, it's interesting because that's how I got back into film photography. Me too. When, when after a long time of only digital, I realized that I could finally get my hands on those medium format film cameras that I never could afford when I was younger. So, <laughs> and everyone was selling them, and that's ah. when the square format entered my life. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and now uh, you have the opportunity, if you wait long enough and earn enough money, to buy a Hasselblad, what do they call it? The It was my pick of the week here, CFC250C. <laughs> it's, the, it's the digital back that fits on. I've seen that, yeah. Yeah, all Hasselblad cameras from 1957 on forward. That's spectacular because I've never sold my Hasselblad and it's assorted lenses, though I didn't use it for a long time, up to maybe two years ago. And now you and that got me that back, back into it. Yeah. Oh. Well, I haven't, and God knows how much it's going to be. But um, but I so, certainly have been shooting film with it. So have, have we transitioned, officially transitioned into the pick of the week? <laughs> <laughs> maybe <laughs> let's let's try this um so this is the second thing that we're changing here the photography highlight in the beginning and the pick of the week in the end so jeremiah you had your i've had my go yeah hasselblad yes. uh digital yeah. back that fits all the old hasselblad cameras. I, i i just like technology that is backwards compatible you know um i find that mm. to be very interesting not exclusive for all technologies but To develop mm -hmm. something where you can use older lenses and newer backs and mix and match. And that mm -hmm. is so interesting because Hasselblad is doing something that I wished others had done earlier. Um, the, when, when the whole digital thing came along and I had my film SLRs and I was so hoping that someone would build a product that would let me convert that and mm -hmm. to digital. And there was um, an announcement I think sometime in the 90s, that was or end of 90s, early 2000s, there was an announcement of a product that never came to fruition. And it uh, it was this little thing that looked like a film canister with a 
with a thing going on off to the side and you put it put this in an SLR and that would be a little sensor pretty much. I think it did come out but no, failed miserably. No, it didn't. It didn't because no? because a few years ago I was lucky enough to get a tour at the uh at the George Eastman Museum's technical mm -hmm. vault and they have the mm -hmm. like, pretty much the entire photography history in there. And um, there's a video online that I can put a link in the show notes to. And uh, the the curator spent an hour showing, showing me around, explaining things and telling me some stuff. And then we came to the digital corner. After all the daguerreotypes and stuff, we we ended up at, this, at the area where Kodak delved into digital. And I mean, they invented a lot of that stuff. Mm -hmm. It broke their neck in the end, but uh, <laughs> they invented a lot of that <laughs> stuff. And one of those was that thing. And he, he he handed me the prototype of that thing. <laughs> it was just never financially viable. It was never yeah. gonna work because they wanted to sell cameras and not not extend the life of the existing ones. So mm -hmm. no one really supported the product and it ended up being Yeah, dying or not even coming to life. But I held the prototype. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and I so wish that that would have happened. You weren't tempted to put it in your backpack. <laughs> well, it's a pro it would probably not work. <laughs> yeah. He never would have got out the door. And I'm honestly, I'm very happy to shoot my, my film SLRs with film nowadays. Mm. As am I. Mm. Because it is a totally different <clears throat> thing, isn't it? So Completely yeah. different experience. Mm. Mm. So, pick of the week. Um let me let me um, just finish up with the photography highlight that I did not get to say because we slipped so quickly into <laughs> oh, the topic. We rudely interrupted. My photo highlight is a very simple one. Uh, my highlight was that I had to wreck my brain and I'm still wrecking my brain about how to take a specific photo. Um, and the, the back story is that Monica, my better half, she just recently got interviewed uh, by a magazine on on film photography and their photographer didn't have the time to come so they asked me to take a photo uh -huh. and they wanted that photo at least sort of being a match in style to the other uh photos for interviewees that they have in the magazine mm. in, in other issues of the magazine so i went through them and it's it's really interesting because i noticed that I tended to kind of get into, well, to, to know my stuff and to to have my style and to um, be very safe and secure in that. And mm -hmm. seeing a different style, a different kind of composition um, is a change, is a bit of a change. So just that experience of going, hmm, how, would I, how would I approach this? How would I go into the, mm -hmm. get into the way of thinking to come up with an idea like that. Um, that's my highlight. That has been yeah. on my mind for the last two days. That's an interesting thought, yeah. Have you Is taken the shot already? Or? No, no. we have no. two weeks, so... Okay, okay. It'll be, yeah. it'll be, it'll so be you know, just you're fine. You're pretty close to the subject as well, so... Yes. Does that change things a little bit, probably, as well? Of course yeah. it does. I know how much Monica yeah. hates to be in front of the camera. Yeah, the pressure will be on. <laughs> the the stakes are yeah. stakes are very yeah. high. Yes, they are. You have but, an extra, but, extra good job. <laughs> by the way, just from yeah. a filmmaker's point of view, when you're directing episodic television, not pilots or movies, mm -hmm. often you will be dropped into a show that has a pre 
pre-existing style and that so style you have is to yeah yeah it's both an an aesthetic style in other words lighting and composition and just mood uh, pace and also the acting style and as a director you quickly have to sublimate and understand how to duplicate that style and add your own spin and so it's something mm. that that we would do as a matter of course uh, is really understanding how to interpret a style, duplicate it, and yet not sublimate to it, if you know what I mean. Uh, how often did you mm. have to do this? Well, it depends. If uh, It could be once a month if you're just okay. continuing to drop into shows. And would anybody sort of hand that over to you or give you any sort of... Guidance. You know, <laughs> yeah. Well, or well, you, you just know. dropped and... Well, it depends on what kind of experience you have as a director. If mm. they, if you have a lot of experience, it goes without saying, you know, that you'll land. Good, you figure you. it out. Yeah, if you're doing a show on its first, say, its first run, first year, or a pilot, and you are more the what we would call here the directing producer, which I've done, mm -hmm. you will then spend time with the director uh, and the cameraman identifying what the significant stylistic issues. In other words, we always key from the right or mm. always soft light with a little fill for the, you know, the lead, or we've always blow out the windows or we never blow out the windows or we're mm. only focused on using wide angle lenses. We do not use long lenses. So these mm. are things that you do go over. But once you're working with uh, highly professional you know, people, they know this. If there's something very unusual, like the use of colored gels in a scene or that is kind of a matter of course, then, mm -hmm. you know, then the, the executive producer or the showrunners will, they'll make a point. And it could be just a simple email or it could be a meeting. But um, mm. stylistic... Um, I guess consistency is obviously very, very important in television because you're, you know, the audience is expecting mm. one thing. And so, uh, Chris, you've just stumbled <laughs> into a commercial uh, business that requires you to do Stylistic a version consistency. of that. Yeah, that's the term I was looking for. <sighs> anyway, I'll, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. Um, so my pick of the week, I have one, and that mm -hmm. is the... Well, it's a camera that is possibly going to come out in fall and will come out in fall. Um, have you guys heard of the Sigma FP? Mm, yeah, that's the so, one with the big mount. Or the it's the it's the smallest full frame, um, full frame mirrorless camera, or it will be a bit bigger than the size of a pack of cigarettes. And it's so, L mount, right? And it has the L mount, the Leica, Panasonic, Sigma mount. Those three yeah. share that, and uh, that could be good. I don't know. I mean, there, obviously, there will be a lot of compromise to get it to that size, but it has. The moment I've seen the introduction, um, from that moment, I've been. It's been on my mind. So, I, I only react to it kind of negatively, um, because in order to best use it. You really just want to use pancake lenses all the time. Right? That would be that would be, of course, a pancake lens on that one would be amazing. And <laughs> but then, but then for you as a filmmaker, it's um, 
It's very much yeah. geared towards the the film community. It shoots twelve bit raw video. Yeah, uh, and that, yeah. That doesn't I mean, you could bad. use it for stunts and things like that. Where you, I mean, it's, it's so small that you can hang it uh, easily. Hang it under most bigger drones and fly yeah. it around, and or or put it in spaces that you can't get other cameras into. Where where you would have had to resort to action cameras so far, and now you can. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it basically as a larger action camera, then it's it can be pretty great. I mean, a full Lumix frame, a a full frame thirty six millimeter action camera. Yay. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> of course, it's if you're using it for stunts, you have to um, expect that you're going to lose a few. Of course. <laughs> so, so they've got to be uh, reasonable in terms of the bend. But it, putting a big, beautiful Five thousand dollar Sumalux. <laughs> well, like a mound, you know. It's... Yeah, I know, but it, it's top heavy. I mean, it, it just feels. You know, years ago, I was suckered into buying this Sony lens that uses the iPhone as the screen. Oh, I've seen uh, that. No. Oh, you you have one of those. I do. You were uh, one of those people who suckers. fell for it. <laughs> I know. I'm glad, I'm very happy to send it to you at some point. <laughs> I, do, I don't need it. I do. It's a bit like the like the like the Lytro camera. Yeah, I have that too. <laughs> but um, yeah, I had the suspicion it would be kind of like that. I never yeah, really talked to anyone who owned one. I did. I have. It's just. It's a boat anchor. Um, you know, it, so you, it's a beautiful piece of glass. But are you saying just, the Sigma FP might be a boat anchor? Not if you use it as a drone stunt in your pocket pancake lens kind of camera. And that's that's what I envision finding a small lens for it. There there are none at this point, but finding Lumi a small lens. Lum Lumix makes a, a pretty good one, I think, or you know the Leica Lumix thing. Oh, it may just be an M mount. No, I don't know. That's not an L mount. No. I've looked through the L mount, but no, then no, the L mount, no, no, no. the L mount universe is going to grow pretty quickly. There's like yeah. tens of lenses announced for next for the next couple of years. So we'll see. I'm going to start making snore noises. <laughs> Emar, I was I was going to say we should get one for Emar because it's small enough to carry. You uh, should totally get one for me. Yeah, re reel us in, reel the nerds in. That's yeah. your that's job. it. That's it. Come on, that's why you're here. <laughs> Shut us up. Other, I'm gonna go to the other extreme end of of um, my uh, pick of the week is is an app, but not an app that I got. It's an app my daughter has got for her iPad, and I've invested the princely sum of six euros Yay. to get her all the features of this stop motion app. And she's just having the best fun with it all week. And she's been so prolific and she's able to do voiceovers, put music in, awesome. um, just What's special it effects. It's it's just called stop motion. It's really good. The, the icon is a little blue, looks like a little video camera or a little so is movie she, is camera. She using, is she using uh, Lego she's, figures She kind of, no, she's got two dinosaurs and she's got a little... Um, Minecraft character. She's a big Minecraft fan. Um, she's bits of jewelry. I was showing her um, the pest, you know, the the pest stop motion. So she's full of inspiration. This thing is just amazing. It's just, does she does she have a little tripod for the phone? 
No, she's using her iPad. She has an iPad that's... Um, oh, and she's put it on a stand or something? Not connected to anything. So she can... Um, yeah, but she can export them then as videos. And she's awesome. um, discovered like how to put sound effects in. And born. Yeah. I said to her earlier, oh, I'm speaking to a filmmaker later. He'd be so proud of you if he could see you. But... um. Yeah, she keeps coming back to me all the time. And then she's getting really creative with the names and, you know, films by me, written by me. <laughs> you should send me one of those animations. I'll put it in, in the show notes of this yeah, episode. Yeah, I've said to her already. I'll put it up on YouTube, you know. Put, put, it, put it up channel. on YouTube, send me the link and I'll, I'll link yeah. it in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, Who yeah. Who needs it's, a Hasselblad and, and, and a Sigma yeah. when you've got this? I know, it's great. And she <laughs> said to me so earlier on, she actually said to me, Ma'am, the possibilities are endless. And I just yes. went, oh, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way this to is, do it. That's this lovely. is beautiful. Mm. This is really beautiful. How old mm. is she? She's nine. Mm. Just um, Perfect just age for, for a forming experience like this. Exactly, exactly. She's uh, madly into animation and all that stuff. So this is just, it's blowing her mind <laughs> that she could put it all together. She'll end up being Ardman competition pretty soon. I know. Yes. We actually have Cartoon Saloon, um, you know, who've done um, The Song of the Sea. And that's right, pretty much on our doorstep. Oh, yeah. It's just about 40 minutes away from here. So, uh, yeah, they'll be very influential to... The local talent, I would say, yeah, that's great. Yeah. So I love all your um, your 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 app uh, editors. I mean, you you both of you know your your app so well. I just I, I get anything that's amusing to me tried a few times, and then I have a few files that I go, oh, I, I love that, you know. Yeah. But uh, I I want to learn from you guys about like what. <laughs> What, what apps I should be using? <laughs> we'll, we'll do a special I, episode on that. If, yeah, if yeah, though I, I do I use fo um, I do use Focus, by the way, that you guys talked good. about. Uh, FO, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that that is a you know Snapseed and Focus and Camera Plus too. I oh, Camera Plus is excellent. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I was yeah, thinking about that lately. I used to I used to use that one quite a bit. Okay, um, I, I see. I see an episode in the future if the audience if the audience <laughs> wants it. So everyone, let yes. us know. That's it. Let this us has know been a long here. one. Here on on curiously <clears throat> no the future of photography I'm mixing up podcasts I'm it's getting too late in the evening for me <laughs> on the futurephotography.com there's ways to contact all the three of us and we are um, also on Twitter under tfop now tfop now is our little Twitter account with a little robot icon and uh, yeah I think that's a good place to. Wrap this up. And <laughs> That's it. Okay. So, uh, Imar and Jeremiah, thank you so much for your time. I, I'm so happy that we finally have this, have you two together on an <laughs> episode, and it, it feels good. It feels very good. I think. I think the next challenge yeah. is getting all four of us. <laughs> this will be especially <laughs> a, recording, a technical yeah. recording challenge here on my side. <laughs> yeah. 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 But we'll figure it out. Oh, yeah. All right. So, everyone, thanks for your time, and we'll be back in a week from now and I guess Adrian will be back then too so uh, I want to see his face when he finds out how this show has changed just within a few weeks awesome so thanks guys and until next time thank you bye 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 bye, bye. bye Chris you've been listening to The Future of Photography 
a production by Adrian Stock and Chris Marquardt. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your other podcasts. Find the show notes and more information at thefutureofphotography.com. Thank you.